Thanks, John. Hi, everyone. It's great to, to be back. I see a lot of familiar faces, which is always nice. And it's always nice to be invited back somewhere because you know you didn't do a complete pig's ear of the first time. Uh, so it's great to be here. John, thank you for the introduction. I was there. I leant over, said no pressure. And you said, I saw three amazing preachers. <laughs> but um, no, it, it really is good to be here. My name's Ruben. Um, you've already had a bit of an introduction. So I'm going to jump straight in, if that's OK. And I'm going to share a bit of my heart today. And I'm going to talk in a moment on evangelism. And I know that sometimes when we talk around the word evangelism, people straight away can go, oh, goodness me. Oh, no, here we go. But it's going to be fun, I promise. And it's going to be a nice, simple message because I'm a simple kind of guy. And I pray that as, as we leave this place through the worship, through the communion, which I loved, and through the words that we'll leave refreshed, encouraged, and we'll have a desire within ourselves to share the good news of Jesus with other people. Amen. But is anyone thankful for Jesus? Is anyone thankful for the gospel? I was just reflecting on, I thought it was amazing, John, you just sharing those pearls of wisdom from um, the little boy. Was he nine years old? And I just thought I'd never heard someone say something so eloquently before where he said, the, the, the son is the face of God. And, and isn't that the gospel that God so loved the world that he sent his son, he sent the son, he sent the face of God to come and to die in our place so that we could receive life eternal. And so I don't know about you, but I love coming to church because I love being with the people of God and I love reflecting together. Thank you. Thanks, mate. I love reflecting together just on what God has done for us, how good he is, how he continues to be with us day in, day out. And for me personally, how I can't do life without him. There's a scripture that we'll all know in Hebrews. It says, do not neglect the gathering together of the saints, but stir it, but come together, edify one another, stir each other up to love and good works. Why? Because Jesus is coming soon. And that's so important, especially as we, we remind ourselves coming out of this COVID period that there's no better place that we can be on a Sunday than together. Because all we're doing is we're coming together and we're just stirring one another up. We're just stirring the pot and we're reminding ourselves of what Christ has done for us. That he went on that cross, that rugged tree, and he shed his blood so that we could have life. That we could have communion with the Father once again. That we could be washed clean and be made brand new. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when you have a really busy week or you miss church and you have a lot going on sometimes you can still claim to be a Christian and you still have your faith and your trust in God but you can lose sight of what he did for you and then you feel a bit grungy and things are a little bit more difficult than they used to be and people rub you up the wrong way when they shouldn't do and then we come to church and we come together and straight away we go oh my goodness this is what God has done for me this is what I'm called to you know, because Christianity, and I've got to express this as well, Christianity is not just coming to church. It's not just um, reading your Bible. It's being in communion with God. It's being conformed to the image of the Son. It's becoming, Christianity is Christ-likeness. It's becoming more like him. We should, and grace will empower us to what God calls us to, but we should set the pole a little bit higher. That actually we're all called to something. We're all called to represent Christ in our communities. We're all called to share the love of God with others. We're called to share what God has done for us and see other people experience that same love. Amen? And you'll know this if you were here last time, and I joked with Mark on the way up, but I tend to go off on 101 tangents when I preach. But I hope that is okay, and I hope you can keep up. 
But we're going we're gonna to look at Acts 8 today, and we're going to look at Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Many of us will know this story, Philip the evangelist who leads this Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. And there's a few things that I want to pull from there, but what I want to look at really is four ways that we can grow as effective witnesses, four things that we can take from this story that will help us. And as I said, I'm just wanted to bring something quite simple today, and I believe that it will help, and it won't just help in the arena of sharing your faith, but it will help you in the day-to-day of simply walking with Jesus Christ. Because I truly believe that if we want to make Jesus known to others around us, first we need to know Jesus. We need to have that intimate relationship with God. We can't simply stand on a street corner, although there's nothing wrong with that, and preach that's important, but we need to know God for ourselves and have that relationship with him so he comes out of us that the Holy Spirit can work through our lives, that it's more than just quoting scripture, but it's having a real relationship with the King of heaven so that we can share that with the world around us and people say there's something different about you and I want what you have. You know, each and every one of us are called to share our faith. I grew up and John mentioned I brought a few books. If you would like to take one with you, um, I've got them at the back, and I'm just, I'm just trying to flog them, really, for seven pounds. I just want to get this into the hands of many, as many people as possible. If you haven't got money, you can, you can download one for free online, uh, a digital copy, because I just want to get this into people's hands. But when I grew up, it's called, sorry, it's called the, I'm not very good at this, this the sales pitch kind of thing. It's called the introverted evangelist. And when I grew up, I used to think that because of the way I was wired, you may see me now on a platform and say, well, you seem quite exuberant, Ruben. But I'm not the one at the parties that is swinging from the chandeliers. I'm normally in the corner, probably having an awkward conversation with somebody. That's how I grew up. And I used to go to a lot of events and I used to go to church meetings and I used to see other people that were more exuberant and more extrovert. And I would say, well, I'll leave evangelism to them. I'll leave them to share their faith and I'll just be the nice person. I'll smile a little bit. I'll do the right thing. I'll help people cross the street. All of those kind of things. But evangelism, that's not for me. And I remember um, having an encounter with Jesus at the age of 15 at Soul Survivor. And I know that you would take people from this church there. And God really just put me in check. And I remember sitting in my tent, and I may have shared this before. I was sitting in my tent after one of the evening services, and I began to dust off the Bible that I hadn't read in years. And I remember turning to the book of Acts, and I read Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witness. And something just, there was a check in my spirit, and I realized, oh my goodness, sharing my, sharing my faith, that's not sharing our faith, that's not just for the ones or the twos, that's for all. Because it said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witness. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that we can share our faith with other people. And I went away from that place and I began to study scripture and I would find scriptures littered all over the Bible that would not allow me anymore to have the excuse that it wasn't my responsibility. So I would read the Great Commission in Matthew 28. I would read Mark 16, 15, go into the whole world. Jesus would say and preach the gospels. In Matthew 28 would say, go and make disciples. I would read In 2 Corinthians 5.20, where we're told to be Christ's ambassadors, that God is literally pleading through our lives, be reconciled back to me. And I would see that an ambassador is someone's representative, a representative of another country. So we were literally Christ. We were heaven's ambassadors, his representatives to make Jesus known in the world around us. I would read 1 Peter 3.15, set apart Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an account for the hope that you have and to do this with gentleness and respect. I would 
read in the book of Timothy, where Paul would speak to Timothy as the teacher, as the pastor, and he would say, always be ready, be prepared, do the work of the evangelist. And I would say, I can't, I can't excuse myself anymore. And so for a long time and still to this day, it's not always comfortable striking up a conversation. It's not always comfortable stepping out. But I also learned that the Holy Spirit is called our comforter and he wants to comfort us in uncomfortable situations. And sometimes we're expecting God to move in our lives, but we're not putting ourselves in positions where we're having to rely upon him. And so as Christians, whether it's evangelism or whether it's other things that God is asking us to do, if we want God to move on our lives, we need to put ourselves in a position where we have to lean on him. Because I know more than anyone, it can be so easy to do things in my own strength. I've just moved house and I tried to do that in my own strength. You know, that was the most stressful few months of my life, honestly, between the mortgage and the chasing up of the solicitors. And I learned time and time again, I have to give this to God, that I can't just try and force everything through myself. And so often we can say that we trust God, but we try and do everything in our own strength. And God wants us to put ourselves in places and positions where we're really having to lean on him because if without him, then this thing won't work. Amen. So let's read. I'm going to shoot through this really quickly uh, because it's quite a large portion of, of Scripture, but it's Acts 8, and we're going to read from verse 26. And the title there is Christ is Preached to an Ethiopian. And so we have Philip, who's actually just left one place, is traveling to another place. He's on the way to somewhere else, and this is where this situation arises. So from verse 26, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went and behold a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. It's Isaiah 53. It says, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So in verse 34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized them. Uh, baptized him. Now when they came out, up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus and passing through, 
He continued to preach. He preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So I really want to touch very briefly and very simply just on four things that we can take on board from Philip's life and from this story to help us grow as effective witnesses. Are you ready for number one? You ready? Really simple. Spending time in God's presence to form godly character. Now, what I didn't read a bit a bit prior to Acts chapter 8, we have in Acts chapter 6, that Philip is before the apostles, and we read that the apostles give Philip extra responsibility, and it's because they see Christ in him. They see his character. It says that he was respected, he was full of the Spirit, and he was full of wisdom. And this godly character would have been formed through him spending time with Jesus. It sounds so simple, but it's so important. If we want to form godly character in our lives to be effective witnesses to those around us, if we want people to see something different in our lives, we have to take time away to simply spend time with Jesus. I love the story, I believe it's at the end of Luke, when you have Jesus who has just been crucified and then you have a number of the disciples that are walking on the road to Emmaus and they come across Jesus and they don't realize it's Jesus and they're, they're despondent and they're grieving and then they walk and Jesus begins to open up scripture and he eats with them and then they suddenly, the scales it says are removed from their eyes and they suddenly realize who they were with was Jesus. And I love what they say. They say, did not our hearts burn within us? And I want to tell you, if you are feeling dry, if you are feeling weary, if you are finding, as I said before, that you're being rubbed up the wrong way, that your character isn't really in conformity with Christ, then what you need to do is simply spend time with him and a flame will begin to arise on the inside of you. And that can be simply that you're at home and you put the worship music on. It could be that you spend time in prayer. It could be just that you come to church with other Christians and you stir one another up, but you're looking for those opportunities to spend time with Jesus, to spend time in his word, to simply thank him, to take time out of your day, to commune with him, to have that communion with him, which is what Jesus paid for us to have. He didn't pay just so that we could, he didn't die on the cross and pay a price simply so that we could have a ticket to heaven one day. He died so that we could be in communion with him. And so what would be the point of simply becoming a Christian and then living apart from him? No, the greatest joy is to walk with God for all of our lives, to spend day in, day out, communing with the Holy Spirit. Amen? As I said, as Christians, we're called to conform to the image of Christ. Romans 8, 29. We also read in Galatians about bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And I'll read those out shortly because I can never remember them all off the top of my head. Joy, peace, patience, self-control, gentleness, all of those were called to bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives as Christians. But I don't know about you, but so often I can try and force that fruit, that fruit in my own life through gritted teeth because it's the right thing to do. But as we read in the book of John, in the gospel, I don't know if it's John 16, 7, I think it's John 17, Jesus talks about being the true vine. And he talks about abiding. And I think that some of us probably need to remind ourselves this morning that actually we need to get back to the place where we abide in him. Because as we abide in him and we spend time with the Holy Spirit, that fruit 
It's produced through our lives because it's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not the fruit of Reuben. It's not something that we have to necessarily try and force. Yes, there's a right way to live, but as we spend time with Jesus, you'll find that you start to live differently. You'll start to find that things that you used to do, you don't want to do anymore. You'll find that those habits of old, they slip to the wayside because you've been renewed and you are walking with Christ. In 1 John 2 verse 6, the Apostle John says this, those that claim to abide in Christ ought to walk as Christ walked. And I always used to find that such a challenging statement because I was like, oh no, I've got to shape up. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And then I forgot that it's all grace and it's all about abiding in Christ. But often, and I grew up in the more uh, similar church to this, you know, a Pentecostal charismatic church. And very often when we read these scriptures, we can attest them to miracles and healings and there's some truth in that and we want to see that which Jesus saw but actually this whole book is all about love so what the apostle John is saying here is those that claim to abide in me uh, abide in Christ ought to love as Christ loved and so that's the calling that we're to love like Jesus loved and I look at the gospels I look at what Jesus did for us I think of Romans 5 verse 8 for God demonstrated his love in this that whilst we were sinners Christ died. Whilst we didn't have it together, that's when he sent his son because he loved us so much. And so we don't have to look out to other people and expect them to be living the right way before we extend love to them. We don't have to expect our family to act a certain way before we serve them. Actually, Jesus came to, be ser uh, to, to serve, to serve us and give his life for us. And so if we want to grow as an effective witness, number one, we need to have godly character. We want people to see something different in us and that will come through spending time in God's presence. I put this, when we consistently spend time in God's presence, we will, number one, live victoriously. In Galatians 5, 16, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In other words, when we align ourselves and submit ourselves to God, the enemy will flee, will be focused on the right thing. Number two, we'll receive power. As I read in Acts 1, 8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we will receive power to be his witnesses when we spend time consistently in God's presence, we will love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. That's Galatians 5, 22 to 23. So if you want to see that fruit in your life, spend time with God. We'll also see boldness. I love in Acts 4, we once have the fearful and afraid Peter who denied Jesus. He's been baptized in the Holy Spirit and now he's standing in front of those that crucified Jesus and he's proclaiming the gospel. He's not even saying that. He's going one step further and saying, you put him on a tree. I'm thinking, my goodness, Peter, where do you get that boldness from? And so if we want to see boldness in our lives, we need to spend time with Jesus. Just a little bit later, we hear the story of the, 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 the early believers getting together and they're being persecuted and they're scattering and they're preaching the gospel but they meet in this room and they begin to pray for boldness uh, they begin to pray that God will be with them and the Holy Spirit comes shakes the room and it says that they receive boldness and they go out and preach the gospel so the second way to grow is an effective witness and this is where I have to qualify this again that I'm a really simple guy because this sounds very similar to the first one so you'll have to forgive me but it's having relationship with the Holy Spirit and I, the reason I put that is because I believe that often we can come to church and we can say that we're Christians, but we live as though God is dead. 
God is alive. God did not remain. Jesus did not remain in the grave. It says that he went to the cross, that he died. He was put in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again. And now he is seated in heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit. We don't serve a dead God and we can have a a continual relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask this question, are we involving the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives? Are we expecting him to lead us? Are we expecting him to guide us and work through us? In Acts 8, 29, it says that the Spirit spoke to Philip. Do we expect God to speak to us today? I don't know. Do we? Like that's the reality that Jesus is alive, that the Holy Spirit is alive. As I said, we don't serve a dead God, that we can be going about our day. We can be in work, we can be at home, and God may put someone on our hearts. God may speak a word to us. I remember when I was, and this is just to bring some context, I remember when I was in the States and I was um, over there with work and I was flying between states and I was up early um, one morning in the hotel room and I was reading my Bible and I was praying and I like to qualify that again with, it wasn't the fact that I just like to get up at 4 a.m., it was more the jet lag. Um, but I'm up, up in the hotel and I'm praying and I felt the Lord say to me, I felt him say, when you get on your plane, you're going to be sitting next to a lady that's involved with witchcraft and I want you to share my love with her. Now I'm there and I'm thinking, I'm not going to pretend to you guys that this happens every day. I'm there and I'm thinking, is that me? Is that God? Am I just, it's too early, I'm jet lagged. Am I thinking, you know, we all have these thoughts. Is it just me getting carried away with myself? And I just went back to praying and reading the Bible. Later on, I get on this plane and I've completely forgotten about the time that I had with the Lord. And I sit down and I know what I want to do. I want to get the window seat and I want to go to sleep. Okay, so that's my plan. And I sit there, I close my eyes and my wife hates me because when she's on a plane, it takes her hours to fall asleep and me I just go good night just the plane hasn't even taken off she's like you're not gonna even talk to me I'm like I don't want to be jet lagged I need to sleep um so I, I'm ready I'm ready to rest and next minute people start shuffling on and the lady sits down and I think oh that's nice I go back to sleep and around 30 minutes into the flight I wake up and I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit I believe of that what I heard in the hotel room and I look over and she's reading a book and now I'm getting a little bit nosy because I'm thinking oh I wonder what she's reading and I glance over and it's a book on on witchcraft and I'm thinking oh goodness me I'm 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 thinking now I've got to do something you know if God's spoken to you that clearly it's not like you can then just push it to one side and say well you know what I'd rather sleep So I kind of battled it and I couldn't get out of it in the end. So I said, you know what? I'm going to have to have a conversation. So I begin to just talk to her and just be a bit nosy. And, you know, we start talking to one another and she's on her way to this festival where she's selling some sort of beer or something. And um, so we're chatting and I'm sharing what I do and I can then say, oh, I work for this Christian ministry. And we start talking. And as I start to just share to her how God loves her, she just begins to weep on the plane. And again, being a bit introverted, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, now everyone around me is, people are looking over and she's snotting and stuff. And, and I, I just said, look, can I pray for you? And I was able to pray with her. And with that story, it didn't end with that lady giving her life to Christ. But I was faithful in what God told me to do. And I believe there are moments in your life where you'll be effective when you listen to the voice of God. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice, that God is talking, God does speak, and we will have opportunities. And a lot of the time, it's just getting back in tune. 
I found that in my own life when I'm not spending time with the Holy Spirit, when it's just a one-way conversation and I'm not spending time in his presence, I become a bit numb to him speaking. And I want to tell you that you don't always need, and for me in that moment, it wasn't an audible voice. It just felt like a check and a, um, something that I, that I thought, but it was obviously God speaking through that. But I want to tell you that it doesn't always have to be something like that because he spoke through his word 2,000 years ago and before that, and we have everything that we need here. So we can speak through this, and you can read scripture after scripture that will tell you what to do in a moment. It will say, go and preach the gospel. So we can take that as his voice, and we can go and do what we were called to do. Philip had a passion for people to come into a relationship with Jesus. As we pursue relationship with Jesus, God's heart becomes our heart. What, is, what he is impassioned by becomes our passion. But unless we lean in and have relationship with Holy Spirit, we will struggle to have that passion and we will never learn to hear his voice. So the big question is, how do we allow ourselves, again, very, simple to the, uh, very similar to the first one, but how do we allow ourselves to have that sensitivity to hear God's voice? I've put down a few things here. Surrender daily. In other words, wake up every day committing yourself to the Lord. Start the day in the right way. I can be very guilty of sometimes just turning to my phone in the morning and going straight to Twitter or to Facebook, and then I see the news, and then I like a few things and, uh, uh, on there, and then I'm frustrated for the rest of the day because I'm like, oh, this is happening, or that's happening, or COVID this, or, you know, whatever it is, let's get out our Bibles in the morning. I'm probably speaking more so to the younger generation, but sometimes we can prioritize the most important thing, which is saying good morning to the Holy Spirit. Number two, confess daily. Just keep your heart and your conscience pure before God. Keep it in check. If there's something that you're doing that you don't feel is right, just take it to God and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I ask for forgiveness. And sometimes that doesn't need to lead to condemnation because the reality is that, that when we see something in our lives that needs changing, that's showing that we've grown because, again, six months ago, we may have not thought that that was an issue. But we can say, God, thank you that you brought that to light. Thank you that you revealed that to me. I don't want that in my life. I want to pursue after you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you die for me. Thank you that I'm righteous, that I'm above reproach because of the blood of Jesus. And then you can get your day going on. You don't have to mull in that and stay in that, but you can just keep short accounts with God and keep running with him. Listen and obey daily we we must intentionally listen and act upon God's word and then practice daily we we should and this is something that I'm still learning and growing in but look for opportunities to practice daily look for opportunities to share your faith look for opportunities to step out and be uncomfortable maybe it's a co-worker maybe it's someone around you and you just feel a nudge maybe even right now as I've been speaking you're thinking of people God's putting people on your heart maybe send that text maybe speak to that person that friend and see what God will do Third way to grow as an effective witness, spending time in God's word. And when we read this story in Acts 8 with Philip, we realize that scripture plays an important part. We, we see that the Ethiopian eunuch is reading from Isaiah 53. But not only that, we see that Philip preaches Jesus to him, that he opens the scripture to this, this gentleman. And so if we want to be able to share God's word, we must know God's word. We need to come to a place where this book becomes our favorite book, that this is where we come to 
to day in, day out, and I know that that can sometimes be difficult, and I, can know, I know that some people say, well, it's difficult for me to read, or I'm just very busy, but I want to say that as you look for opportunity, and when you carve out time in your day, and you create habits, it becomes easier, and I want to tell you, if you commit to reading God's Word every day, say, for 30 minutes, your life will be changed, and um, on the back of that, I want to read something from my book. And this was a study that I, I discovered that came out of the US where they, they um, did a poll with over 20,000 Americans. It may have been more. I'll find out in a second. <laughs> I should know, shouldn't I? Let me find the page. Bear with me. But it's an incredible study that absolutely blew me away and it made me much more intentional about reading the Bible because reading the Bible will not only make you more effective out there, but it'll also change your life internally because you're continually hearing God's voice. You're continually being changed by God's word. In Romans 12, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what is good and what is acceptable. And so it's important that, that we come to the Bible first and foremost because it can be so easy in today's day and age, especially with social media, that if that is what is ever before us, that that is what molds us, that is what shapes us, that is what becomes, we become a product of everything that we're going through instead of what Jesus went through and what the Bible teaches us. So let me find this page for you. Page 121. But in Psalm 119, 105, it says, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In Romans 12, verse 2, as I said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So here we go. So this study was called The Power of Four Effects. And I'll just read a short part. A little, okay, it was a lot more than 20,000. A little while back, the Center for, for Bible Engagement made a profound discovery relating to scripture engagement. Polling over 100,000 people on their spiritual lives, they found something dramatic happen to those who found themselves regularly in the Word. They entitled this finding the power of four effect. They found that if someone was in Scripture once a week, it had a negligible effect on their Christian walk. So this could be just coming to church on a Sunday. That would count in their, in their research. That would count. Uh, it could be just 30 minutes on one day through the whole week. So it, that, that's a little bit surprising because you would think it would have more, but they found in their studies that it had ne negligible effect on their Christian walk. If they were to spend two times a week in God's word, again, it had a negligible effect. It says there was a blip on the chart for those reading at least three days a week. It was only small, but it was clear there was a slight impression. The profound discovery, though, came when they saw the difference in the life of a believer who read the Bible four times a week. The impact it was having on their lives flew off the charts. And listen to this. This is amazing. So of those 100,000 people that they did the poll on, the study on, they found that for those that read the Bible four times a week, up to 30 minutes a day, they found that anger issues dropped by 32%. They found bitterness in relationships, marriage, and towards children dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. And the desire to view pornography dropped 59%. Next, they found that feeling, and I think this is the, the, this is the main one. Next, they found that feeling spiritually stagnant fell 60%. I wonder how many of us have grown frustrated as we felt spiritually stagnant in our walk with God. Next time this feeling appears, we need to ask ourselves, how often are we spending time in God's word? 
And then just very quickly on the flip side, if these results weren't impressive enough, on the flip side, they saw even more. The, the desire to share faith increased, this is amazing, increased by 228%. So if you want to have a passion for reading, uh, for sharing your faith, simply spend time in the word of God and the spirit will do that work in you. And it says, and the desire to disciple others increased by 230%. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? From these findings, it's pretty clear that what you meditate on, you magnify, and what you focus on, you feed. If we want to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, we must prioritize the Bible. So I just want to encourage you, if we want as Christians to be effective witnesses to those around us, if we want to have a strong spiritual walk and life with God, then we need to find time to read the Bible. And a lot of people don't know where to start. And it could be that you find a devotional. It could be that you just begin to start in the Gospels and read through. There's lots of different things that you can do and there's places that you can find. And John and the leadership team are at hand to help you in that. But I would say just begin to start reading the Word of God every day. And just see, maybe set it as a challenge. Maybe this week you say, I'm going to set 30 minutes aside every single day. And by Sunday, I'm going to see how I feel. I'm going to see what a difference it's made in my life. So the fourth and final way to grow as an effective witness that I have down here is having an awareness of God's power and his sovereignty, (laughs) that it's not all about us, that it doesn't rely on us, that actually we can put the responsibility first and foremost on God's uh, shoulders. In the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, God saw to it that the Ethiopian official had a copy of Isaiah 53 and that Philip was there just at the right time to explain the passage and lead him to Jesus. I want to tell you that there'll be people that you're burdened for. There'll be people that you love that don't necessarily have that relationship with Christ. And though we want to be proactive in sharing our faith and communicating the gospel, we can pray and also trust that God is orchestrating things for the right moment. I love that story because it does highlight, as we said, The Ethiopian eunuch is coming back from the temple in Jerusalem to pay his respects. He's got the Bible open at a passage of scripture that points to Jesus. Philip is there in the right place at the right time to have that conversation. Even with the whole idea of baptism, they go past just a pool of water and it can happen right there. And I think so often as Christians, we can put pressure, unneeded, unhealthy pressure on our own shoulders to think that it's our responsibility to bring about salvation. And I used to do that many years ago and it weighed me down and it made me self-focused it made me feel like a failure when things weren't going well and it made me it filled me with pride when things were going well but when we recognize that it's God who opens blind eyes when we recognize that it's God that brings about salvation it takes the pressure off so if somebody says yes to Jesus it's glory to God if somebody says Maybe I'll think about it. I might come to church. It's glory to God. If someone says no, it's, it's glory to God because we've sown seeds. And we need, to be, we need to see ourselves as people that simply sow seeds, that we don't use that as, that as an excuse not to communicate the message of Christ. As we know in Romans 10, it says, how will people ever come to believe in Christ unless they hear the word? And how will people hear the word unless someone preaches to them? But we shouldn't get caught up in trying to twist people's arm behind, behind their back to get them to say a prayer. It needs to be God doing the work. Otherwise, people will fall away much quicker than how they came in. I remember being in my late teenage years and I would 
and my heart was in the right place. I wanted to see people come into a relationship with Jesus. But we would do work on the streets and of nights we would go in um, and feed the homeless and do these kind of things. But as I'm doing that, my whole mentality was, I want to have a conversation with this person and lead them to Jesus. So I'm sitting down and I'm acting as though I'm being a listening ear and listening to their problems and loving them. But actually in my head as they're talking, I'm thinking, how can I maneuver this conversation to the next part so I can get him to say a prayer, the salvation prayer, because then it's another tick. I've seen someone saved, hallelujah, praise God. But that's not how this thing works. And so you may have loved ones that you know and you've prayed for and you've tried to lead to Christ. And I would say, continue to follow the leading of the Spirit, but know that God is in control. And God loves people even more than we do. The Holy Spirit loves people even more than we do. That's why God sent his Son. And so we can also allow the pressure to be released from our shoulders. And normally that's when we see more fruit because we're just naturally being who Jesus wants us to be in situations. So to recap, four ways to grow as an effective witness. Number one, we want to allow God's presence to mark our lives. As we abide in him, the fruit of the Spirit will develop in our lives and people will see an attractiveness about the way that we live. That was my greatest joy for me before I worked for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And I'll be honest, I miss what I used to do. I used to work in retail, I used to work in the Apple store and I miss that because day in, day out, I would just be around colleagues that didn't know Christ. I would be around customers that didn't know Christ. And so often opportunities would come where they would say, why did that customer not annoy you? Why, why did you respond in this way? You know, I noticed that you had this conversation that, and I'll be able to open up about my faith and share and we would have some amazing conversations. And so we want to spend time with Jesus so people say, hey, there's something different about you. What is it? You know, in that moment, they, you may present the gospel and they may say, well, that's not for me. That's between them and God and we need to pray that God works on their heart and their heart becomes fertile ground. But we want to have people coming um, asking those kind of things. Number two, develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, our teacher, our comforter, and our guide. As we listen and rely on God, as we step out, we will see him work in wonderful ways. Number three, allow God's, wor uh, God's word to mark our life. Spending regular time in God's word will transform our lives and fuel a passion to make him known. And finally, we must develop a conscious awareness of God's power and sovereignty when we settle that it is God, um, that it is God that ultimately brings about salvation, yet still desires to use us in the process, the pressure is released from our shoulders. So just to, just to wrap up, I think we are in such an exciting time at the moment. I genuinely believe, and I know that you can hear prophetic word after prophetic word, and I don't even want this to come across as a prophetic word, but I just, in my spirit, I'm just excited for what the church is stepping into because we've had, let's be honest, it's been a tough 18 months for those outside the church and those inside the church. It's been difficult. For many, it's been lonely. For many, it's been eye-opening, and it's, it's made us address certain things in our lives, which has been good. But for many people, They've become more aware of death than ever before. They've become more 
aware of a lack of hope, that there's hopelessness, and we have the answer in Jesus Christ. And I believe that as we shine brightly and as we step up and we begin to proclaim the gospel, I believe that we're going to see more people coming to a living relationship with Jesus than we've ever seen before. I just believe the UK is, is ready for a move of God. And so I just want to encourage you and I want to pray for you all um, to, to really, and I don't know, would the band normally come up? If the band can come up, that would be great. But I want to pray for you. And I don't know, I always want to make this opportunity. I don't know if there's anyone here that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. But I just want to give this opportunity to say that if you don't, it's the best decision that you'll ever make. And Jesus loves you so much. The Bible says that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's glory. And the answer to that sin is a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That there is a free gift available to you today. That you can come into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you felt far and you can come back into a relationship with Jesus. In the book of Revelation, it says that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. And I like to think that the handle is on the inside. That only we can make the decision to let him in. So maybe this morning it's an opportunity for us to say, God, I'm coming back to you. Whether it's the first time or it's the 27th time, God, I'm committing myself back to you. Thank you for the cross. As we took communion and we reminded ourselves of what Christ had done, of what Jesus had done upon the cross, we say, thank you, Father. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for the forgiveness of my sins. I choose to put my trust in you. I choose to follow you. And my prayer for each and every one of us as we leave this place, Holy Spirit, I ask that you will put a fresh fire in each and every one of us a fresh desire to make you known, a fresh desire not to shrink back, but a fresh desire to move forward and to proclaim the best news of all, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul in Romans 1.15 said, I'm not, uh, he said, I'm eager to preach the gospel. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will put that eagerness within us again. In Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I know the power within it to change a life. And I pray, Lord God, that you would remind us of our salvation stories, that you would remind us of everything that you have done in our lives, that something would spark up on the inside of us where we would not be ashamed of the gospel because we would remember again that it truly does have the power to change a life and we know that the world needs Jesus. And so, Lord God, I thank you for this time. And I pray that as we come into this final song, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would meet with us, that you would encourage us and stir us up so that we can be a difference to the world around us.